It's funny because before Jason left, he was like, hey, do you have, he asked Steve and I both, hey, do you guys have your topics and do you have all the thing and I'll do your bulletins. I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do yet. I have a couple things. Okay, I'll just do like a generic one. I'll do a weekly devotion and I'll leave it for you to hand out. So we did a generic one that just has some blank spots in here and those kinds of things. And then the weekly devotion is very interesting because it's all about Psalm 100, which unbeknownst to me, that is the topic that I picked for the day. So apparently, that's what God wanted me to talk about today. So it's good when he agrees with what I'm saying, right? <clears throat> I love the topic of worship. Worship has been a big, huge part in my life for a lot of years. Um, music has always been... A big thing, and music in the church is even better. Uh, I get in trouble with my wife because there's always music playing at our house. She's like, is it ever just quiet? And I was like, not in my head. It's not. So um, I like to worship. Um, so if you look up a definition of worship, it'll tell you the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. Eugene Peterson Maybe said it a little better, worship is an act that develops feelings for God, not a feeling for God that is expressed in an act of worship. But most importantly, we are commanded to worship. If you open your Bible up to the very middle, in the middle of the Psalms, you know, starting at 93, it is, good thanks, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, Psalm 93, oh, that was 92, 93, the Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. Um, Psalm 94, rise up, O judge of the earth. Oh, maybe that one's not a praise. But you get the point. Psalm 95, O come, let us sing to the Lord. A lot of these um, Sandy Patty took some inspiration from. I'll just throw that out there that she was being biblical the whole time. Um, For you, O Lord, are most high over the, all the earth. You are exalted far above all the gods. So we're commanded to worship, and most of us here would consider this to be a worship service. But the question that I've been struggling with over the last couple of weeks is, have we, has anyone here ever been taught how to worship? We've seen people worship. You know, a lot of us grew up going to churches, and we saw how our parents worshipped, and we saw on TV how they worship, and that kind of stuff. But has anyone ever said, here's the things that you must do to worship? And so it struck me this morning, it's like, or is it something that can be taught? Or is it something that's more like sneezing? It's something that just happens, and you just do it when it needs to happen. So, how are we supposed to, when the Bible says, worship, 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 you're commanded to worship, if I don't know how to do that, how am I supposed to do it? So, I wanted to take a little bit of time this morning and share a little bit of my story in learning how I worship as an inspiration or as a challenge to you all to spend some time trying to decide how is it that you worship? And then spend a little bit of time looking at Psalm 100. 
So I grew up, a lot of you know, in the Lutheran church. And in the Lutheran church, when I was growing up, you had a green hymnal. Now it's a red hymnal. But um, I have several of them in my house. I didn't bring any with me today. But for the first 36% of my life, I thought that's what worship was. That you all stand with the book and you all say the same thing at the same time and at the appropriate time. And you never deviate from that. And every week it will be the exact same thing. And that's what I grew up learning how, that's how I learned how to worship. And it was very predictable and very structured. So then I graduated from high school and I went off into the wide world of college. And while I was in college, um, a lot of you may know this, but I was in a singing group, a Christian singing group. There used to be a big group back in the 80s, 70s, the 80s called the Continental Singers. Anyone remember the Continental Singers? Uh, we were kind of patterned after that, but it was a local CSU ministry. Um, we, looked, we looked a lot like this. When we were singing, you can see right here in the front row, this handsome guy, that's me, that's me. Zach was never this less not furry at this age. He's always been furry since he could be. Then if you look back a row, and on the end, well, here, I can do this instead. Here, here's my lovely, I told Chris this morning, I said, I am taking my life into my hands showing these pictures this morning. This is my lovely wife, and um, I don't know what she was saying. I think she was just talking there because no one's paying attention. Because we were taught very clearly that when someone is singing a solo, you all turn and look at them. So, and then later on, we changed outfits, and this is my wife singing again. And this one, I remember what she was singing here. Do you remember what it was? Jesus Never Fails, by the group True. Anyway, so we were in this singing group, and um, it was our purpose to go out and spread the gospel through song. And we would go to churches and rescue missions and old folks' homes and dorms and all that kind of stuff, and we would sing these songs. But before every... Um, concert that we did, we would have a time of worship and prayer. And we would spend anywhere from 30 minutes to like two hours, depending on where we were, in prayer. And this moment in, in my life is where I really started to get a sense of what worship was. Because what we would do at this time is we would just all sit in a room and we would pray as we felt like we needed to pray. And if I wanted to sing, I would start singing. And I would just sing, say, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And the group would join in. And it was a very personal um, experience for everybody. And at that point in time, it was kind of our culture of worship. Because we were all in college, 
all like basically the same age, kind of all the same background. And so our experience at that time is we were in it together. And if someone started singing, we weren't going to leave them hanging. We were going to join in because that's what we did. And that was what worship was. And it was very personal and it was very much that that unified community, but each person kind of led how they wanted to lead. Well, then I left college, and I moved to Evanston, Wyoming. Woo! Preach. Um, I moved to Evanston, Wyoming, and what I found there is when you get out in the real world, worship looks a lot different. You have people who are in different places, I've had different experiences. It's just, it's a different feel because all of a sudden you have a room full of people like this that are just in different places, but we still worship. So I have an experiment I want to do today, and I'm wondering how brave you all are feeling. Are you feeling brave today? Everyone feeling brave? Okay. This is a uh, participation, but I'm not going to make anybody move. But I am going to make you sing. So, if you see these words, everyone knows Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, right? So, let's sing. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home. Swing low. Sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home. Okay, so then, what if I add this in there? Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, Lord, I want to be in this number. When the saints go marching in. Okay, so now, this side of the room, you're my swing lows. This side of the room, you're my oh, when the saints go marching in. Okay, so Bob, I'll let you kind of be mini song leader. Okay? So, are we ready? Swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. We ended at the same time. Okay, so now, what if I had another song? So here's what we're going to do we're going to all start on swing low, and then we're going to go on. You guys are going to stay back and do swing low and then go on to Oh, When the Saints. So you'll do swing low, swing low, Oh, When the Saints, I'll fly away. We're going to do swing low, Oh, When the Saints, I'll fly away, I'll fly away. So we're all going to end on I'll fly away, but at different times. But if we all start together on swing low, then it's easier to everyone stay together as we do it. Yep, you'll repeat, you'll repeat swing low before you go on to Owen the Saints. Okay? And we're going to not repeat until the end. 
Okay, so everybody on swing low. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. And the same sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Oh, when the saints go marching in, the saints go march. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. So I've done this song with up to six different songs at once, and it gets crazy. Um, and I've actually done it with groups not much bigger than this. We used to do this at the Green River Alliance Church all the time. I never knew what to call it, so I called it the chaos song because a lot of it sounds pretty chaotic. Um, what's interesting, though, is all these songs are about going to heaven, right? So they're all basically saying the same, same thing. I can't wait to get to heaven, but they're all being said in different ways. And so, um, I think that this is what God hears whenever he listens to our worship, because we're all singing, even if we're all singing the same songs, they may mean something different to me. And part of the fun of, like, singing songs like this, and we did it this morning with You Are My All in All, we sang that in a round, and it's always funny when we sing around because everyone's like, okay. It's around. I'm just going to hold on, and I'm just going to do it. But part of, the, part of the fun of it is listening to what the other group is singing. And to me, that's part of the fun of worship in a situation like we're in, because we're all coming from different places, and we're all seeing different things, and we've all lived different things, and we have different amount of kids, or we don't have kids, or our kids are grown, or we have kids coming. Anybody? Okay, just you always have to check. But we all worship in our own way, and part of the fun of that is appreciating that other people have a different story, but you're all still worshiping the same God. And what's important is that we are commanded to worship, and we all need to be worshiping. So, this has been a little bit of my story and how I developed, I, I don't know if I call it my philosophy of worship. Um, and maybe some of you have had a similar experience. Maybe some of you had a totally different experience. That's okay. We're all worshiping the same God, and however we do it is fantastic. But my question today is, do you have a philosophy of worship? Do you have a thing in your life that says, this is how I express to God 
my father, my maker, the creator of the universe, my adoration, and my love for him. The funny thing about worship, though, is we individually worship as a group. And so it's fun to just see how it all ties together and how it all fits together and what our worship culture is at our church. Now, I know that this is something we're all going to struggle with, and uh, Pam kind of touched a little bit on this, on that reading that she did this morning that was outstanding, Um, because sometimes, let's face it, I don't want to worship. I don't feel like it. I'm stressed out, or I'm tired, or I'm angry, or I'm hurt, or I'm ill, or... Um, I, whatever reason, fill in the blank. There's a thousand reasons to not worship. And when you're feeling like that, that's when God gives us Psalm 100 that I'm going to read to you right now. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. So the thing I love about this this passage, this psalm, is it's like a mini-sermon. It's laid out with three points, a poem, and a prayer, right there in the text. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Does that say, shout for joy to the Lord to all women under the age of 37 who were born in October? No. All the earth, everybody, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him. Or serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. I got two different t- translations going on in here. So how are we supposed to do it? Are we supposed to worship him in sadness and in somberness? And everything is supposed to be like this. And we're always supposed to sing and be, no. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. The third verse, know that the Lord, he is God, it is he who made us And we are his, we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. To me, this is like the crux of the whole thing. Know that the Lord is God. Study his word. Study what he has done. Know who he is. It's not just an emotion. We are serving a living, active, true God. Know that, study that, and learn that. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his course with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Two things. Enter his gates. You're going to have to do something. It's not just going to happen to you. You've got to enter into those gates, and then you need to be thankful. And out of the knowledge and out of seeing everything that God has done throughout eternity, including sending his son to die for us, we should be thankful. And then verse 5, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. 
This to me is why we worship. We don't worship because I'm having a good day. We don't worship because the sun came up this morning. Well, kind of. We don't worship because I feel like it. We worship because the Lord is good, His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. And that's the only reason why we need to worship. There's no other reason. I found this fun little story. There's a man who was leaving church one day, and he complained about the music. And he said, I didn't like the hymns you chose today. And the pastor said to him, that's okay. We weren't singing them for you anyway. And I think that's such a great, great story and something to remember. So as I, I spend a lot of time driving around this part of the state for my job and lately for my vacations, um, I listen a lot to Dave Ramsey. And... Um, <clears throat> Someone called the other day, and it happens every, I don't know, sometimes I wonder, are they planted or what's the deal? But every couple weeks, you hear someone call in and say, should I continue to tithe while I'm in debt? And I love his answer. He has the greatest answer, and I'm going to read this to you, and it's going to sound a little bit familiar because you've heard something like this today. The tithe was not put into place for God's benefit. He already has everything he needs he doesn't need our money because it's his already anyway. Tithing is an act of obedience and should be given freely with pure motives. In other words, we give without expecting anything back in return, and it teaches us to be good stewards of what God has given us. Tithing was created for our benefit. It teaches us how to keep God in our lives and how to live unselfishly. Unselfish people make better spouses, friends, relatives, employees, and employers. God is trying to teach us how to prosper over time. And I heard this the other day, and I thought, man, that's just like worship. God doesn't command us to worship because he's like, oh, I need someone to adore me today. He teaches us to worship, so that, or he commands us to worship, so that we can keep things in perspective, so that we can be grounded, and yet at the same time, if we need peace, he can give us peace. If we need wisdom, he can give us wisdom. That's why we're commanded to worship. 